Welcome to C-Suite Radio. Welcome to Mitchell Levy Presents AHA Moments. Mitchell is a thought leader, entrepreneur, and TEDx speaker who helps you think big and lead an authentic life. Each week, Mitchell gives leaders the inspiration they need to make a greater impact and share their genius with the world. Now, here's Mitchell Levy. This is Mitchell Levy, global credibility expert, and I'm joined by Lisa McDonald on Thought Leader Life, and we interview Carmen Gentile, war correspondent, and a man who personally stated that his legacy is that his face was partially blown off on his job. Carmen talks about what legacy means for him, how he lives his life today, how he's living his life in the future for his kids and beyond, and this is a show that you are going to want to listen to. Thanks for joining us, and feel free to subscribe and leave a review. Bye now. Hi, Mitchell Levy, the AHA guy from AHA That. Welcome to episode 146 of Thought Leader Life. Um, we've got co-host Lisa McDonald, Living Fearlessly with Lisa, who is bringing on a beautiful set of guests, and we're talking about legacy Lisa, thanks for uh, thanks for bringing on some cool people. Well, it's absolutely a pleasure. And again, as we were talking about uh, before going live here and in preparation for this, I showcased Carmen on radio a couple weeks ago now. And so, backstory just very quickly: either Carmen, you can give it, or I can give it. Be uh, my guest. Okay. <laughs> oh, I get to be the guest. Okay. Sure. <laughs> I was okay. wondering if you were going to pick up on that one. Okay. Yeah, yeah. i got to wear all these hats and juggle them simultaneously. Mm-hmm. So, Carmen Gentile, uh, for those of you who follow me, which I very much appreciate, um, and for you know subscribing to the podcast and everything, I just want to say thank you very much to Carmen once again. It was a phenomenal interview. Carmen has extensive uh, background uh, reporting in the front lines, Uh, more notably the story that we talked about as it pertained to Carmen was also premised on his book. Uh, So Blindsided by the Taliban uh, works for CBS, is a journalist and in the process of being in the front lines reporting on the war in Afghanistan, uh, Carmen was blindsided by the Taliban. So let's talk very quickly a little bit about that in your own words, Carmen, as it pertains to legacy, just so there's a bit of a segue as to why we, the audience here, the listeners and the viewers would know why you specifically made the cut for who we wanted to interview. Well, uh, despite the fact that I would like to uh, have a legacy that is based on a varied uh, and uh, career that doesn't just uh, focus on one instance in my life. I'm well aware of the fact that probably in the first or second paragraph of my obit, it's going to mention the fact that I got shot in the face with a rock and propel grenade and blinded in one eye. So I have to um, not fight that and uh, incorporate it into the rest of, of who I am. There's that time before I was hurt, which was in 2010. And everything that I've accomplished subsequently, which means going, you know, recovering from my injury, going back into frontline uh, conflict reporting and doing a lot of other work um, as well, Uh, not just uh, in war zones, but uh, covering other stories um, in the Middle East, Latin America and, and elsewhere. 
So dare I say that you, you're dealing with this head on? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Unattended. I <laughs> matey. Um, the, the fact is that I, it's not something that I'm, I can uh, circumvent. It just it is part of who I am, and so yeah, that's yeah. the way it has to be. But you, you know, I always hear about these actors like Christopher Reeve wanting to be known for something other than Superman, right? So it's you're known by the thing that that. No pressure making a Superman comparison, but go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you're you're known by that thing that brings you into somebody's mind's eye, right? So, you know, if, if I'm reading, I read the New York Times every morning. If I'm reading reporters, I may or may not pay attention to the name, but if I see a picture of you in the patch, I go, oh, I wonder how that happened. And if I watch then and get further. So I, I, I honestly, I'd say, uh, don't fight it, go with it. Uh, sure. Yeah. yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's something that, uh, I, I, it took me a a little while to get to come to terms with that, but it is, uh, an integral part of who I am. So I have to not pretend as though it didn't happen. It obviously did. It's something I think about every day, but it's also not the singular thing that defines me. Of course not. What else defines you? Um, the, do, do, do you want to talk about the Vespas or the Lambrettas and that? <laughs> I do. Uh, I, I do uh, uh, enjoy riding motorcycles, and in fact, uh, recently have tried to incorporate uh, motorcycling into good storytelling. For example, I did a story late last year about motorcycling in Iraq while we were covering the war in Iraq and the effort to retake the city of Mosul from the Islamic State. We went into Mosul and bought this really interesting um, Russian-made motorcycle called the Ural that has a sidecar on it. And we bought it from a guy whose home had been uh, shelled repeatedly. And so the the bike itself had suffered some more damage. And uh, we took it to a repairman who had worked on the bike previously. And we told the story of what was happening in Iraq in this particular time and place with a group of characters through this bike. And then we rode it around the the countryside in northern Iraq. And we did this as a way to have a a unique approach to telling the story of the war and to to hopefully entice people who were not necessarily following the day-to-day of what's happening there into, into, you know, um, caring about an important story. Mm -hmm. And I think it worked. Fantastic. So... When we talk about legacy, and, and, and I think we've touched upon this a little bit uh, without identifying it as such in our radio interview not that long ago, Carmen, um, but when you, you know, when you look at the whole trajectory of your life, when you look at the evolution of who you are today and the different circumstances and the different experiences that have molded you, uh, when you look at what your ongoing goals are, things that you envision for yourself, having that different perspective now as a parent and perhaps looking through the lens a little bit differently, how do you ultimately wish to be remembered and how do you believe you will be remembered? I want to be remembered as someone who is serious about their work, uh, but didn't take himself too seriously. Uh I have uh, a self-deprecating streak that is a country mile wide, and I um, know all too well what my limitations are um, professionally and personally and 
And I am someone that I hope as I grow older, if I don't grow wiser, at least I can grow more cognizant of the fact that I, that I have these limitations and I, but I can play to my strengths. I feel like I can be an entertaining storyteller and, and while entertaining uh, readers and viewers, I am hopefully imparting a little bit of uh, wisdom and information that they can um, use to broaden their own horizons. Beautiful. So, so Carmen, I'm kind of curious though, if we just step back bigger picture, not just legacy for you, but what is in today's world with the technology we have, whether it's, whether it's the, the, the folks that are just in horrible shape or happy shape in Afghanistan or somewhere else or here in the U.S., what does legacy actually mean for people living in today, the, the early part of the 21st century? Well, I don't think that legacy necessarily means that you are um, revered or remembered by a large group of people. I think that it's more important now than ever to be impactful and a positive uh, um, influence on those uh, in your, you know, your immediate family and your friends. Um, it's, we live in a culture today of celebrity for celebrity's sake. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really have to reside in, in a or result from talent or contribution. Uh, we were discussing earlier about, how there's um, all of our lives are recorded. Um, every moment is seemingly caught on camera or in audio or in, or in photos. And that, that's true. There are, um, I have tens of thousands uh, of, of pictures and videos of my daughter at this point, and she's two and a third years old. However, um, and there, I, I don't believe there's any video of me from that same, when I was that age, you know, 42 years ago. But um, just because there is all this material, this data, this, this catalog, doesn't mean necessarily that a person will be remembered because somebody needs to watch all of that in order for it to be impactful. And frankly, nobody has the time. We're all collecting this, this material and, and we're um, um, doing everything we can to, to capture every moment. But it, it to me... Uh, is more important to live the moment and to be impactful and, and a positive influence on others uh, in a moment. Nothing makes less sense to me than when I see thousands of people at a rock concert holding up their cell phones, shooting video that they're never going to watch. And in front of them is, I don't know, Mick Jagger's very last performance. Just watch Mick Jagger. He's doing it and he's never going to do it again. You're never going to watch that grainy cell phone footage. Be in the moment, be present. And in, and in doing so, you will be a lot more impactful on others if, if you're actually um, engaging them instead of just uh, recording them. That's, okay, well, let's, let's play devil's advocate to that because I get where you're going. And I, I, you know, for me, I'm very apt to adopt many schools of thought in my formulation of how I think about things or what I'm inclined to believe um so i get what you're saying in terms of being in the here and now but i also understand too for people who are wanting to leave the legacy that sometimes in today's culture in the many platforms that are available to us if we use your example of the mick jagger concert um 
you know, these are milestones. These are, I mean, my mom saw the Beatles. I mean, she saw a double sure. header. She saw a double header in London. She grew up in, in England and it was like a small venue, intimate venue with the Beatles and the Rolling Stones. And it was so small that John Lennon actually spoke to her. Wow. Um, so uh, yes. Cool. Yes. Yeah. And, and so, you know, my son, without having known that fact at the time, he has an affinity for John Lennon and the Beatles. It's, he's obsessed with it. Mm-hmm. I wish I had that footage, had what we have, at, have today at our disposal. If my mom could have captured that, my mom's now deceased, you put all that together, that would have been a lovely thing to have been able to have shared with her grandson. So I think it depends on how you view things. I think it depends on, as you say, if you're getting away from doing things just for the sake of saying, oh, I was there or, you know, trying to seemingly be in the know or doing it for counterintuitive reasons, as opposed to this would be lovely for my my children and my grandchildren who one day will I will not be in their active lives in the physical sense for this to be carried down as part of my legacy. You know, it's one thing for somebody to say, Oh, I love the Beatles. Everybody loves the Beatles or a good portion of people love the Beatles. But when you see, when you see someone's passion, when you see somebody, you can hear them in the background and they're mouthing all the words and you see the, the unity of the, 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 you know, the community that's band together, whether, whether we're talking about musicians or we're talking about causes or we're talking about me too, or we're talking about people taking the streets in DC or people doing what you do in Afghanistan, I, you know, I think archives are good. I, I think history and going back into it and revisiting it anytime you wish to, particularly if you have a personal connection to that footage outside of it just being a part of what's in the history books. I think it's beautiful. Oh, I agree. I'm not saying that, that there's no value in, in documenting important moments on video or, or, or obviously, but we don't have uh, – any footage of George Washington, yet he is an impactful person in, in all of uh, American lives. Correct. Um, we don't know exactly what Abraham Lincoln sounded like, but Daniel Day-Lewis seems to have done a pretty adequate job based on the descriptions. But, um, you know, at, at going to uh, your example, I think that you being a, a, a storyteller – uh, and somebody who appreciates those kinds of moments, you're retelling uh, to your son or, or your mother retelling to her grandson that story as part of your family's oral tradition is pretty cool. And he could then in turn pass along his affinity for the Beatles to the next generation of your family. And with that affinity comes that story. And to me, that story um uh becomes legend and yes and 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 in the retelling after generation of uh, uh, uh generation after generation you know there'll probably be some subtle tweaks to that story so that maybe three or four generations from now um you know your great 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 grandchildren will think that your mother and john lennon had an affair but that's part <laughs> of the, but that's uh, Possible. What's the harm in that? I don't no, have a well, problem possible. with that I, spin at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, it's interesting. I, uh, John Lennon, as in particular, I remember exactly where I was when John Lennon was shot. 
Me so too. I, was, I think everybody does. I was uh, actually, I was, uh, I was in university running a radio station, uh, running a, it was like two in the morning radio station, got the, got the, do you guys remember Telefax? I mean, got, got the Telefax, like, oh my God, right? So I, I announced it to the audience. The, the thing, there was two directions I wanted to think about going, Carmen, with what you said. One is, yes, although we don't know what Lincoln or Washington sort of really looked like or sounded like, what would be interesting is you take a look at some of the characters will, which will be significantly remembered like a Jeff Bezos of today or an Elon Musk or, or you know, obviously any of the political characters as well. And it, we will then be able to reinforce the statements and the lore that gets passed down with pointers to Wikipedia and YouTube and or whatever the newer generation stuff is. So I'm trying to get a reading on. So I love the comment. Your comment was live for today. Don't live. Don't just live behind this as you see me taking a picture mm-hmm. of this for my Snapchat audience. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So I get that. And, and I, I particularly understand that as a reporter who's in harm's way to make sure that you live for today. And I'm just trying to, how do you, how does that, I guess when you're doing a story, do you think about the legacy of the people you're doing the story on or what is that? I'm trying to get a feeling for where that comes from living for today. Those people that I come across um, when I'm, when I'm doing those types of stories, obviously uh, resonate with me to a greater degree than, uh, someone I just pass on the street um, because they're something uh, we're meeting under extreme conditions and, and um, their stories to affect me um, just as I hope my retelling of their stories affect the readers or the, or, or the viewers. Um, So they obviously live on in my memory in a way that, um, other others do not, and I have very distinct memories of people whose names I I never got, who uh, I, I I spoke to for a, a briefest the briefest of moments, and I will remember them because they were uh, you know fleeing um, uh, an ongoing firefight and or a bombing, um, they were evacuating after. Uh, this, this going back to just last year when I was covering that the fighting in, in Iraq, I remember very distinctly um, people were streaming out of the territories that were just moments ago liberated from the Islamic State because the, the Iraqi forces were fighting house to house. And the people, after they were, they would, uh, you know, literally just kill a bunch of uh, Islamic state fighters, people who had been held under siege for two years were grabbing everything they had and running because they hadn't been able to leave their homes. And you see, I remember I saw a group of um, women with small children uh, in in, uh, tagging behind them. And they were um, one of which had a a gash in her face because there had been a bombing and and a shrapnel wound that went from here all the way down to the other side of her cheek and there was a little girl behind her uh, holding a baby that was probably about my daughter's age at the time, about a year and a half. And this baby was unresponsive. And I'm pretty sure that baby had already passed. And I, we had just, 
had the briefest of, of interactions with them before they were, they were taken away and treated. And I will remember their faces. I will remember how they sounded and what they were doing until my dying day. So it is not a matter of um, always having um, a personal interaction with someone and for them to be impactful. But that to me is something that I will, that is, I feel in its, in its horror has made me uh, more cognizant of, of the need to always um, keep in, in mind that it's not just about uh, that there, there are, there are real consequences to the things that I do and uh, the things that I see. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and so if we could just kind of, you know, go back a little bit, because I find it fascinating for the view that you share. And I know it's all about context. And I know we could be talking about one subject matter, and you might have a completely different point of view. Like when we talk about the celebrity status, as compared to you saying, you know, wouldn't it be nice, though, if we could go back in the archives and know a little bit more about uh, former presidents and, you know, and for the footage that we do have, that chronicle things in history in terms of movements or evolution of rights or liberation. You know, we talk about uh, Martha or Martin Luther King Jr., um, you know, and Rosa Parks. And, and, you know, so stories of people who really shifted change and really set the standard and set the bar quite high going forward that, you know, if these people in those times with those oppressive uh, measures working against them, were able to take a stand and rise in their lives and really move people and really get something going in terms of a movement, um, you know, as compared to talking about, say, the Kardashians. Yeah, it's about context. I totally get it. Uh, but for somebody who does what you do as a vocation and reporting, whether it be in the front lines or for any other story that you've covered universally, um, I'm sure probably as a reporter, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Carmen, aren't there things from an awareness or an educational perspective for those who don't do what you do, won't be in the front lines of the experiences in which you are, where it's an educational tool. Like maybe if people see what you've experienced, maybe they will be um, more grateful. Maybe they will be more cognizant of things such as legacy. Uh, maybe they will have an appreciation for privileges, um, you know, and, and not taking things perhaps for granted. So, I mean, it, it's really the context around how we frame it. So you being a media person and being a journalist, I just find your perspective very interesting. Well, you know what? One of the things I, um, I'm aware of, uh, th and this dates back to my, my work in Afghanistan, there was an occasion um, – once where I was reporting on the conditions, I was embedded with some U.S. forces uh, in uh, eastern Afghanistan again, and this was after my injury. And I was at this co remote combat outpost where the conditions were terrible. Um, uh, the um, soldiers were not getting the, the supplies that they needed um, in terms of their uh, food and other, and other necessities. Um, and I reported on that in uh, my story 
about the conditions. They weren't uh, one hot meal a day and, you know, the rations were limited. The guys were skinny and they were constantly sick, et cetera, et cetera. And um, as a result of that story, I, um, I, well, I like to think, but it, it wasn't just coincidence. About a week later, they started getting more supplies. Hmm. So was it, the, was it the larger audience that made that read my story that made that happen? Probably not. It probably, that story um, probably irritated somebody at the Pentagon who then told somebody else, hey, this guy's making us look bad by, t- by saying we're not feeding our guys. Let's make sure that we get extra rations out to that, that combat outpost. That's, it's sometimes better that my audience is, it, it's, I have a, a narrower focus um, on my audience. And just because it's something it was, uh, I'd written in, in USA Today. So typically that, that uh, uh, has a, a broad, uh, potentially large audience. But in that particular instance, I'm pretty sure that that, that story was most impactful to a handful of uh, uh, of the brass at the Pentagon that I probably mm-hmm. uh, embarrassed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm glad I did. So Excellent. And I'm sure yeah. you've got a plethora of different stories and examples that you can cite. So we're not looking to pigeonhole you into the whole Taliban, Taliban uh, story per se. But when if you look at the legacy of that war or what that stood for in that point of time, as far as a history making event, if you look at the legacy, as you cited for the people who you don't necessarily know by name, but have left a permanent indelible imprint on your soul and your relationship for what it was you do and did at the time the part of the legacy and I mean it's very individualized I mean only you can deem what that means for you but if I'm on the outside looking in and I see somebody doing the quality important work that you are I would be looking at wow this person put themselves at risk for whatever the reason or the motivation um, and you gave a snapshot into the legacy of how other people uh are surviving the circumstances under which they are. So there's legacy within legacy. There's messaging within messaging. And I think for what you do, it's, it's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful uh, in terms of how you capture that for other people without necessarily being mindful of what that instills as part of your legacy making in that moment. And then having a succession of moment by moment by moment, span it a decade or two for what you do as a career. I mean, you know, you're, you're influencing change. You're, you know, you're getting people to think you're getting people to reevaluate and assess what does the quality of life mean? What do, what do, what does the here and now moment represent? And for somebody who's in the front lines, that can make somebody who's in the Western world who has no sense of how other people struggle necessarily um, outside of it being like a, a headline in a newspaper. Um, you know, you're, you're doing phenomenal things. I mean, you're kind of like the classroom teacher, the university professor, uh, the media person, uh, the reporter, the human being, the father. Uh, I mean, you're wearing a lot of different hats and, and what a legacy that is. Yeah. Kermit, I was, I was, I was thinking of, I was thinking of something. I, 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 I think you've even just verbally, you painted a picture to me of this mother and her daughter and holding an infant. 
And I'm, I'm curious how that affects your relationship now with your daughter, since you're going to remember that for the rest of your life. And if you have a couple other people who have left an indelible mark in your, in your head, what that might mean. You know, before I became uh, a father, I had seen a lot of uh, suffering and, and suffering of men, women, and children. And while it broke my heart, I was able to compartmentalize it in the moment, whereas it wouldn't affect me um, in, in a sense that I could detach myself um, and just do the job and, and not allow it to um, rattle me while I was doing it. And then I noticed after I had become a father and had that same situation, and it was the, f the first time I'd, I had really become cognizant of that change was the moment I described. When I saw the, that family, um, obviously with no men because they had probably been killed years earlier, um, the mother, the small, the, the child trailing behind her and who was holding the infant who wasn't responsive and probably had passed away. That, uh, that, that really uh, put a knot in my throat and I had to take a step back. And it was the first time in the course of my career covering those types of situations where I was uh, felt as though I might not be able to do it. Um, but I took a deep breath and, and, and put one foot in front of the other and, and kept going. But it was, it was harder. It was definitely, it was definitely harder. It's definitely been harder now that I have, I have uh, my own child. And now I understand what that means because I didn't before in a way that I couldn't imagine what I would be feeling if, if my child were in that situation. So so, Lisa, can I share an aha moment? <laughs> this is, <laughs> this is, it's, wouldn't it be great? It's not possible that when we're born and we're teenagers and we, we quote unquote live forever and, you know, have all these, uh, we don't actually per perceive the value of life. And then, and then I didn't have uh, my first child. I was like 37. Right. So, so I spent a whole lot of life living and then, and then all of a sudden, when you become a parent, your lens completely changes. Wouldn't it be great if you could actually be a parent when you're young, but not, but you don't have the money and the resources and ability. I mean, it's just kind of this, it's, and I think maybe Carmen, it's, it's you telling stories, maybe you writing from the perspective of your two-year-old that might actually have a bigger impact on others. I just, it just, it just got me thinking, my, my aha is, hey, how can we have kids younger without actually having kids younger? Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> so. You know, it, it um, is, is, is definitely, um, even when I was working on my book and revising it and looking for, a, and looking for a publisher, it was about that time that my daughter was born. And prior to um, her arrival, everything um, was secondary in my life to the, the book I was, I was working on. But even though I hadn't uh, finished it when she was born and I hadn't found a home for it, um, 
once she arrived, obviously she became my, my first uh, priority and it put everything else into perspective. All that angst that I had been carrying around about, okay, where's this book going to go and how is it going to be as good as I want it to be and how do I make um, the most of, of, of what I've created? This is that prior to my daughter being born, that book was my baby. And so once, once um, she came into the picture, obviously my perspective changed and it actually made it easier for me to deal with um, the uncertainty involved with it because it no longer became that big a deal. And it, and I think that once I was able to um, put it in the proper perspective, that's when I was able to, to find, to find a home for it and, and realize that um, there is no perfect uh, book. There's no perfect, uh, there's, I'm never going to find the, uh, uh, to, you know, to the syllable, the exact way in which I want to tell that story, but I, I gave it my best, and uh, um, my, the the real important um, things in my life are, you know, the, my daughter and 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 her future, and not just work. Mm. And so when we look at legacy through the eyes of, and of course, you've got many, many years ahead of you, and your daughter is going to continually get older, and she's going to have more memories and recollections of her dad. Um, so her being two, and did you say three quarters? Because we know children, it's got to be like precise, <laughs> right? See, the like, birthday's in May, so that'd be maybe two and a third? Two and a third. Okay. So as you continue to get older and she continues to get older, are you more cognizant of legacy from the perspective of how your daughter more specifically is going to remember you and that being more the the compass for how you navigate your decision making, what you cover now as a journalist, what you don't cover, uh, whether you put yourself in harm's way, don't put yourself in harm's way in terms of, you know, but also wanting to leave the impression with your daughter um, about not succumbing to fear. You know, enjoy life, do where your passion leads you, where the story takes you, whatever the story may represent symbolically in your daughter's life as she comes to identify what her passions are or what her defined purpose may be. Um, So that delicate balance as a parent, but also as a journalist, um, and really, as you said, it's not about appealing to the masses from the perspective of legacy. It's about the people who truly know you and that being a smaller, more intimate circle. So do you think about legacy more so through the lens of your daughter? I think about um, the fact that I've noticed already, uh, we spend a lot of time at the playground, that there are, there are gender roles that are defined uh, at a very young age, that uh, girls do this thing on the playground and boys do this thing on the playground. I want uh, my daughter is the youngest um, among the children that I've, I've, I've noticed. And certainly um, one of the very few girls who likes to uh, uh, swing on the monkey bars and she can hang by herself. Now I'll, I'll let her hang. And she's a good three, four feet off the ground that I just hold my arms around her waist and I catch her, but she likes to hang and she'll hang by her legs and she'll hang by her arms and she wants to do it all the time. And she likes to climb and, that's definitely my influence, and I don't tell my wife that I'm doing all this, but I want her to push. <laughs> she'll she'll never watch this show, so she won't hear that. That's fine. <laughs> what am I going to do, get in more trouble? Um, <laughs> more. Okay. Yeah. 
Um, so uh, I, I encourage her as part of her growth and, and development to want to take risks. Yes. You know, I want her to do those things. I want her to be um, um, uh, brave and I want her to try new things. I think that's part of what I'm, I'm doing by encouraging her to, to play at a, at a um, and to push herself in her play. There's, there's play is serious business. It is. For children, yeah, it really is. And for adults, too. You're not yeah, supposed oh, absolutely, to right, forgo that as you get older. It's supposed to still be incorporated into your right, right, right? right. That childlike spirit. Right, right. So I, 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 that, to me, um, is one of the best lessons that I could teach her. Now, I am also the first person to say, uh, repeatedly, don't touch the stove. Don't do that. And I and I have to remind myself that just because I have certain tendencies to push <laughs> certain envelopes, that I that doesn't mean that I have to be uh, a helicopter parent around my around my kid. I I want her to be self sufficient. It's hard not to get to, into to 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 dive too deep into to the modern state of parenting but so many parents now don't allow their children to learn how to be uh independent at an early age i think i i would probably consider my i'm 44 and i was probably the last generation of american children who were playing on their own under 10 you know when right we, yeah yeah i remember that you know what we're talking you know you I can remember being as young as six and everybody got on their bike and you rode someplace and you ran into a bunch of other kids who were around the same age or older. You got into, you played a game of football or basketball. Oh, or and and mom fight. said, come home, come home for dinner or come home when right. it gets dark. In the morning, yeah. no, you left the house in the morning and you didn't go back until the streetlights went on. You know, if you, had right. five, you had five bucks in your pocket to get something to eat. Bag you know, of chips. Pop. Yeah. And then if somebody is, everybody's house had a hose on it, right? <laughs> so you're thirsty, and hopefully the woods were around so you could pee somewhere. And that was <laughs> your whole day. It was, it was amazing. I, I have a quick question, I, just in terms of legacy too, and then I'm going to turn it over to Mitchell here, uh, also being cognizant of time. So if your if your lasting legacy, and you being the role model to your parent, leaves such an impression that she chooses to then follow suit because she so is in awe and admiration of how you chose to live your life, trials, tribulations and all. And she decided she wanted to follow in daddy's footsteps and she wanted to go report on the war in wherever at whatever time down the road where she'd be old enough to even contemplate that as a decision. Um, What are your thoughts on that? in terms of knowing she might one day want to have her children and she might want to, she might want to follow in your footsteps with, you know, doing big things in this world and making a huge difference as her daddy did. But now you're really thinking about, wait, I got to be careful what I say. What's my wife going to say? What are, what's important here? Okay. Because this book, this interview, which turns into a book, is going to be part of your legacy here. So let's right. get it right. Uh, do I want her to follow in my same – I want her to do whatever um, you know sparks her fire, whether that be um, journalism – 
uh, painting, accounting, underwater basket weaving, whatever, whatever <laughs> brings her that bliss right. and makes her feel um, as though she can be impactful in, in whatever way, you know, that she deems important. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that that to me is is would be enough that's that's all that matters mm. um, i don't want her to, to do what i do just because i do it i want her to to find her own path and if it happens to be similar to my own great i will i will try to impart whatever wisdom i can which will probably just entail me saying whatever it is you know i've done just do the opposite and you'll probably be a lot better off <laughs> So, or or helicopter or refraining helicopter dad right. actually just, gets you know, on the helicopter we're going together enough, when she's old enough i'll say look read my book and don't ever do any of this stuff okay right just try to try to use better judgment uh, it, it took your father a lot longer to figure this stuff out and uh, cost him the vision in one of his eyes just try to do a better job of of keeping yourself safe um and that's all I well, there's a metaphor in there, you know, like, and I'm sure it's, it's not original to me. Nothing's original really these days, but you know, even with the impairment to your eye for what you've experienced and for the ways in which you see the world and how you get up close and personal to the ugly truth sometimes uh, that people just want to flick the channel on and, you know, put their head in the sand. Um, I'd say whether you've got one eye, two eyes, whether you're wearing a patch or not, your vision and the way you choose to see the world, embrace the world, report on the world. Uh, you could be blind, my friend, completely. And I would still say that you have more vision than majority of people I know. Thanks. Wow. That's, that's the appropriate response. Um, this has been so mesmerizing. We're already, we're already way over. So I, what I'd like to do at this stage, if, if you don't mind, Carmen, is can you – is given the nature of what we were going to talk about legacy, given what we actually did cover, is there a particular way you'd like to wrap up or, or a question that you think we should have asked? And so maybe you could ask it and answer it. I, I think that as I mentioned previously, we have documented, um, nearly every moment of, of every, every day uh, and of every event. Um, I think what we're going to face uh, as, a, as a species in the future um, and, and the challenge that we're facing now is our, um, I, I think our ability, our ability to interpret the facts of a situation are impaired at the moment. We need to get back to um, uh, a collective understanding of, of a common um, reality, if you will. And I think that that if if anything, um, I hope that uh, we can come together. And I hope that at some point, maybe in the course of my own work. Uh, as a storyteller, as a, as a journalist, et cetera, that I'm, I'm part of the solution, not the problem uh, that we're facing today in terms of our, um, uh, the rift we have in our, in our shared reality. 
Beautiful. I don't want to dive too deeply into the into the politics of, but I think you, you get an idea. No, but I, I'd love we, to. We covered that on my show. Yeah, sure. I'd love to. I'd love to cover. Uh, I'd be happy to talk to you offline, and and I have sure. a bunch of ideas and thoughts. If, if people were interested and they wanted to reach out to you, what's the best way to do that? Um, I'm readily uh, uh, available on social media, be it Facebook, Twitter. I'm really easy to find. It's just I look like this. And with the, I always say I'm, I'm the guy. I'm the guy with the girl's name who has an eye patch. You can't miss me. <laughs> I say that's pretty distinctive, my friend. Right, I just want right. to quickly say one thing. You in your last uh, in answering uh, uh, Mitchell's question there, full circle moment. You said, "Come together, Beatles. Come there you together go. right now <laughs> over me." There well we go. Done. Hey, Lisa, what what do you think about Carmen in this episode? How'd you like to summarize it, and then how do people reach out to you? Well, you know, I can't really separate this too much, uh, whether it be right, whether it be wrong, from my initial interview with Carmen, how we read on paper, our initial telephone conversation, that interview two weeks ago in this interview. Uh, because what I really like about Carmen is the more we speak in whatever capacity that looks like, uh, the onion continually gets peeled back. And the more that that onion gets peeled back and more gets revealed about who you are, how you think, and now more specific to this topic of legacy. Um, I just think the way that you have chosen to live your life um, is completely beautiful. I mean, I take my hats, my hat off to you. I said hats, plural, but I'll say hat properly, grammatically. <laughs> yeah, I take my hat off to you. I think um, I love risk takers. I mean, I'm all about living fearlessly, so I can't differentiate from that. This is why, you know, Vibe Attracts Tribe. I I think the legacy that you are creating moment by moment, day by day, week by week, story by story, uh, you know, every outlet that you've written for and you've been found um, in the archives, you know, going back to one of the original points we talked about, uh, it would be a shame not to be able to find your bodies of work. Well, right? I hope, uh, yeah, I hope, uh, yeah, for my own sake that, uh, that, uh, we don't, uh, have a post-apocalyptic breakdown of society so that in fact, my work does exist in one form or another for future generations to read. And I hope they get something out of it. Um, Maybe that's a little bit arrogant. And that this interview yeah. is associated with that. Love that. Absolutely. Lisa, how do, how do people reach out to you? Uh, people can kindly find me on my website, livingfearlesslywithlisa.com. I can also be found all over social media, just like Carmen and Mitchell here. Uh, LinkedIn, I will always say, is my preferred site because it's really like-minded people in the business world, uh, in the personal development world as well. Uh, this is where I have found a lot of my guests. Um, so I just want to say, you know, email is lisa at living fearlessly with lisa.com um and i'm all over the place iheart radio spotify uh you can find my host page c-suite radio network uh living fearlessly with lisa mcdonald um no differently than you two all over the place accessible beautiful and and, and for me carmen this was i had some thoughts of what to expect and it was interesting you didn't take me in the direction i thought you would take us and and so I just, I, I just kind of want to summarize, and, it, and, and I'll leave you with my one last aha moment. So for me, it was, it was beautiful to hear that right now, you're here right now with us today, this moment, mm-hmm. period, right? And, 
And I can imagine you, when you go out to do your stories, that you are there with mm-hmm. those people. And it's, it's interesting to see how at different points in life we change our attitude and our focus, i.e. having a child changes everything, getting married changes everything, right? Mm-hmm. And I think the one, the one point you, you made at the beginning, but then I really got it at the end, and this is how I have a 20-year-old. And so I'll just leave my aha message that I don't think I've put in any books yet. The educational system in the United States is completely screwed up. It's based on the industrial age society. It's based on how we should have lived back when. And what I did with my son and tried to encourage him was, A, how do you ask the right question? Right. And then B, how do you interpret the results? Mm-hmm. And if you could do nothing more than, and I love all this, live fearlessly, be yourself, do your own thing. Dude, that was absolutely beautiful. And that's exactly the same thing. Lisa, the, the way you live life and communicate yourself, that's all what we have to do. And it's just, let's make sure we figure out how to ask the right question and how to interpret the results. And, and that's, that changes everything. Be a critical Isn't thinker. The, yeah. Yeah, that's a good way to summarize it. Thank you. You know, it, like, 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 my, uh, like the other two folks here, just Google Mitchell Levy um, and connect to me on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Google+, uh, Snap, Instagram, whatever, whatever platform you want to talk with, um, I'll make sure we communicate that way. Um, and largely what we do is, is our job is to empower you to share your genius. And so whether or not it's in book form, online form, or whatever it is, that's what we'll do with you. Anyhow, and people should I, check out your TED Talk too. Where's your TED Talk? Oh, right. Thank you. Um, so I did a TED Talk on being seen and being heard as a thought leader. The, the book is in the background. Probably should always hold this up. Sure. Uh, you could just Google Mitchell Levy TED Talk. Um, they'll bring you to YouTube. Um, you could also go to aha.pub, aha.pub slash TED Talk. And it's, it's a focus on how do we live life as life keeps changing, right? So what should we focus on tomorrow to be successful today? And so it's, it's similar to some of the stuff we covered here, but I, this was a beautiful episode. Carmen, thank you so much for giving us your time and attention and your Very quickly, your heart. Carmen, where, where can we find your book? My book is available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and if you go to IndieBound.com and type in your zip code, you'll find it at your local bookstore. Fantastic. I want to thank you both. This was awesome. This was great. Hey, guys, thanks for joining us for this episode of Thought Leader Life, and we'll see you at the next episode. Take care, everybody. Bye now. This is Mitchell Levy, the AHA guy from AHA That. Thanks for listening to this episode of Thought Leader Life, where I'm joined by one of our thought leadership co-hosts to create compelling thought leadership that will propel their status in their industry. To learn more about Thought Leader Life, go to thoughtleaderlife.com. And to learn more about creating and sharing your aha moments, go to ahathat.com slash author, where you can also find a link to book a strategy call. You've been listening to C-Suite Radio. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.